Welcome to the official Substack of Brandon Ritchie podcast and blog episode. Today's date is August 27th, 2023. And if you're tuning in here for the first time, I'm grateful to have your ears. I hope that you will find this episode as well as the rest of the episodes, if you stick around, very helpful and very insightful. And that's the goal. Uh, If you're a returning listener, of course, always glad to have you back into the fold. Uh, And if you are a first-timer, just to let you know, the entire purpose and uh, the the existence, the very existence of this podcast, of this blog, is to serve as a map for helping you and those around you to be a zenith during chaotic times. Zenith means I want you at your peak, at your tip-top, at your best, okay? And the way we do that is by learning how to observe and basically, I call it sort of reading the map and and understanding the environment. Your environment is influenced by a number of factors. It's influenced by culture, philosophy. It's influenced by history. It's influenced by geopolitics. It's influenced by your health. All of these factors funnel down into you as an individual. And so it's important for you to understand that environment. And I think that is the problem with our society is that much of it has, of, of society has been asleep in terms of understanding the environment for quite some time now. And we've reached a sort of an inflection point and we are seeing the result of that. Um, but real quick, today's episode, if you're tuning in, I want to cover three areas here. The top three areas I want to highlight here before we start is I'm going to look at Examining what is a major lesson that we can take from the human psyche. That's the first highlight. The second is what what danger what danger does deindividuation pose to us? All right. And the third is what contagion do we need to stop in our society at large? Okay, those are the three highlights of today's episode, and I'll be getting in and explaining those very shortly, and you will be absolutely intrigued. I hope that is the goal. So also, if you are a first-time listener, make sure that you visit brandonritchie.substack.com. Make sure that you subscribe so that you can get all the latest episodes, the latest articles emailed directly to you. So it'll be right into the convenience of your email and and immediately that you you can be notified of those episodes. Uh, You can also, if you prefer alternative platforms, you can catch me and listen to this show also on Spotify, uh, uh, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcast. If you're on any of those alternative platforms, please give me a five-star review, uh, particularly on Spotify. Hit the follow button. Take two seconds to give a five-star rating. That is so helpful, guys, uh, and that that helps me to circumvent a lot of the censorship that I get on all your typical social media uh, as the administrative state uh, uh, big tech oligarchs do not want this kind of message getting out. It's too independent, and that's the whole point. We're here to decentralize things. This is an anti-administrative state media platform. I am going to tell you everything that I, in, in terms of the way I understand it, things in the way that I uh, have experienced in my background, in my education, and that's that's kind of the way this works. And a lot of this comes from my own personal experience as a strength coach and having been in the fitness industry as a fitness professional. 
a practicing uh, professional now for over 20 years and a small business owner. So look, I'm a I'm a I'm a man of uh, I'm 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 an everyday guy basically, but I do have a strong um, background in these areas, and I've also always had a passion, and I consider myself a student of history and always learning. And I never I don't I'm not one to espouse that I have all the answers. I'm not the top tier expert, but what I am is I'm a guy that does have an understanding of societal concepts, of philosophy, of history. And if you don't like always hearing from me at times, I do have guests. And you'll see that I'll have these guests on. And in the past, I'm going to be working on that here in the future. But for the time being, I'm getting my thoughts down with these article audio readouts to communicate what's happening in the world and how it funnels down into yours and my life both together and the way that I see these things unfold. This is the whole point here, and it's to try to bring understanding. And so if you like it and you want to support an an anti-administrative state media platform, then I need you to share this show to your friends and family. I need you to encourage them to subscribe. Um, The word of mouth is the way that I get this out because uh, these other platforms are suppressing it. My analytics uh, apparently show that that's the case. So if you do like the show and you want to support an alternative media platform, Please do that, okay? Now, with that, I think I covered all the bases. Oh, you can also, if you want to, put your support on on Hyperdrive. If you go to brandonritchie.substack.com, sorry, brandonritchie.substack.com, scroll down below the fold, or if you as you, as you do go there, you'll be prompted to, as you'll be given an option as, as to whether to subscribe as a free subscriber or you can also become a paid subscriber, and that paid subscription enables you to access content that's only available for paid subscribers, paid members, and uh, there's a lot of that content as well where I really juice that up for the paid members. And uh, by the way, it's only about the cost of a cup of coffee per month. So you were looking at a year, if you do the year I believe it averages out to a little over $6 a month, $6 and some change. So not a huge investment, but that that is a major deal to me. So if you do end up subscribing, you can also gift a subscription to a family or a friend. Uh, if they have a birthday coming up, if they have something, they like this kind of stuff and they love kind of a philosophical, historical uh, show that it dives into these topics and uh, uh, culturally speaking, and, and they like and, and, and really do have an interest in this, you can give them, gift them a subscription as well. So you can do that as well as an option. So now I've covered all those bases. So now we're going to get into today's episode. And the title of today's episode is The Enigmatic Societal Dilemma. The Enigmatic Societal Dilemma. Preface. Quote, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, Desiderius Erasmus. Years ago, I had the privilege of coaching the Tucker High School basketball team in their preseason strength and conditioning training to get the team ready for their competitive season. The reason this opportunity had fallen into my lap was because I had previously worked with a few of their players on an individual level just a couple of years prior when I had worked for another athletic performance training company before I had ventured out on my own to start my business. 
Once I had decided to make the the leap to stop working for the man and become self-employed, I had searched up the Tucker coach's contact number and quickly set up a meeting. It was a very productive meeting because he had liked my tough approach from having worked with his previous players, and as luck would have it, he was frustrated with the direction of his team at the time I had sat down to meet with him. In that meeting, he was venting his frustrations to me about how his team lacked discipline, focus, work ethic, and structure. Coming from their head coach, I was a bit concerned because in my mind, the thought had occurred to me that if he, as the head coach, couldn't provide discipline, focus, work ethic, and structure, then being an outsider coming in, would I be able to deliver this to the team and their situation? As the first day of training approached, I knew the only way to know this for sure was to put my skills to the test, but at least I had the advantage of knowing what I was walking into before the day came. The team was large with 32 players consisting of both the boys and girls JV and varsity squads and I had formulated a plan to accommodate these numbers and manage the group on my own. I had made the choice to set up several workstations, each dedicated for the athletes to perform a different speed and agility drill or a strength movement of some kind. Each station was timed and there were a total of eight stations which allowed for four athletes to work at each station at a time. As each group of athletes worked through and completed their given time at each station, they would rotate over to the next station. It was a good setup that allowed for a seamless execution as I could manage 32 players on Mullen without help. However, as good as the layout for the training session was, the head coach's warning to me regarding the lack of focus of the group would still soon present itself to me as a problem. The only question was, how was I going to deal with it? Heading, a lesson in the human psyche. As I blew the whistle to start the team into their training session, I started watching over all the group like a hawk. Even though I was a rookie in terms of being a new business owner, I was still very experienced as a coach and had a few tricks up my sleeve for when things didn't always go as planned. As I sit here telling you that, I remember I was only about three to five minutes into the training session when I noticed one of the lead varsity players at one of the workstations in the group joking around and putting in effort that was quite honestly pathetic. I watched his group carefully because he was the top player on the team. And as he was spending more time joking and goofing off, goofing off, this had a cascading effect that rippled throughout the rest of the entire team as a whole. You see, whether he liked it or not, his poor example of leadership and work ethic had a ne- negative impact on the rest of the team. This was a typical observation in how important leadership is with an individual as good leadership and bad leadership will absolutely have a direct impact on the performance of a team as a whole. This is very important to mention, as this is true of any organization, especially when it comes to the government. So you're probably wondering, Brandon, what did you do? Well, I watched them carefully for a few seconds, and when I realized they were not going to correct themselves and start putting forth the necessary effort, I blew the whistle and issued the first and only warning to the team. I could sense a bit of attitude in the star player's body language with his response to my warning, but I chose to ignore it for the moment. Since I was new, I kept the criticism anonymous with my first warning, but with a stern tone told them clearly that I noticed a group at one of the workstations was goofing off. I warned them that if I had to blow the whistle again to stop training because there were players that were too busy playing around instead of being serious about their work ethic, 
that the second event would involve a brutal lesson in discipline with what I refer to as mental drills, which were really physical drills I used to mentally discipline athletes. So they acknowledged the warning, and we started back with the training session. However, after a quick couple of minutes, I looked over at the same player in the group that was goofing off before, and as you can imagine, he was doing it again. At this point, I was irritated, and when I got irritated, I had to correct the situation. I immediately blew the whistle and yelled for everyone to get in line formation for the mental drills I had literally just warned them about. However, what I did next was something that the group found to be shocking, and based on everyone's facial expressions, it completely caught them all off guard. As I ordered everyone in line for the mental drills, I called for the player that had been goofing off to come to the head of the group to stand beside me. When I did so, he looked stunned and then asked me why. He walked to the head of the group and stood next to me asking me why I wanted him beside me while I was addressing the entire team. As I stood there, I explained to him <clears throat> and the group that since he wanted to take it easy and preferred a more relaxed approach during the training while he was goofing around, that he could continue to do so by relaxing while standing right next to me as the rest of the team suffered through doing their mental drills while he watched. At this point, I blew my whistle and started making the team do a tough series of bodyweight squats where I directed the execution of each repetition of squats by telling them when to squat. I kept an aggressive tempo, and after about 20 or so squats, they were clearly starting to experience the discomfort, the discomfort from the physical application of what I call mental drills. As I started doing this, an amazing thing happened as the superstar player standing next to me begged me to allow him to join them. At first, I refused and asked him what had changed between the time he was goofing off and the moment he found the rest of his team in the middle of doing their mental drills. Of course, he didn't have an answer and I just and just continued to beg me to allow him to join the rest of the group in their disciplinary punishment. By the way, if this is new to you, this is normal. This is a normal cycle that coaches experience with kids and athletes. But just please stay with me because the punchline is coming up. So you might be thinking, Brandon, what happened next? Well, I pushed the group pretty hard with the disciplinary approach using the mental drills. I stopped the squats and ordered everyone to return to their workstations. From that point on, the group put forth a strong effort and we proceeded to finish out the workout. But at the end, I blew the whistle to grab everyone's attention and once again ordered them to get back in line the way we did to do the mental drills. The look on their faces was misery and I could see it. It was at this moment that I told them that despite the bumpy start to the workout, that they demonstrated a level of grit and intestinal fortitude that made me take notice and that there was hope for all of them after all. Furthermore, afterwards I approached the young superstar player that had also shown a change in effort and attitude and completed the day's workout on a positive note. I pulled him and his small work group aside and asked him if he understood why I isolated him at the beginning of the mental drills I was forcing the entire team to go through. He looked at me and after a short pause, he responded by saying that he believed I wanted to show him how his actions hurt the team. This was an impressive response from this young man. I was very pleased to hear this and I told him that I also knew that he was the one they all looked up to in the group. I told him that he was the one that the team would rely on if things, things got tough and that his kind of leadership wasn't something that his head coach or even I could replace. 
I told him that I couldn't make this preseason conditioning venture a success without his leadership and example of hard work being on point. I told him and his small group that I couldn't do it without them. From that day forward, I never had to raise a finger to discipline anyone else on the team because this star player would automatically step in to take the initiative to do it for me. In case you're wondering, that Tucker High School basketball team went on to win the state championship, and we did it again the following year. Heading, de-individuation. Typically, when you hear about someone using a tactic where psychological isolation is involved, it is often viewed with a negative connotation. Typically, such a tactic is employed by someone who has abusive motives, such as one engaging in an act to isolate their, their spouse from others because they are jealous of their significant other, they're insecure, they're possessive, or they just, just totally lack any self-esteem themselves and are coping in a very negative way. Whatever the reason, when psychological isolation is employed, it is typically explained in the context of using scenarios that involve negative and abusive situations. However, there are moments when isolating people in a group, as I explained with my own example with the basketball team, is a good thing. This is a different type of, quote, isolation, end quote, that isn't done at all in the same context as typical social situations involving what you would normally assume is psychological isolation. Granted, the way I isolated this young, talented athlete in the group from my story was an isolation of his individuality. Individuality. This ended up being effective because it was initiated with, with positive intention. This ended up resulting in a tremendously positive outcome when it came to his change of attitude and work ethic, which not only elevated him, but ended up elevating his team as well. So why did the young man fail to put forth the effort right out of the gate and feel it was okay to simply goof around during the workout with the rest of the team instead of putting forth the effort? Well, the reality is, is there were probably several reasons, ranging from the fact that he might have lacked, lacked discipline, structure, and focus, but there's also a touch of something else involved here when it comes to the psychology of group dynamics. If you follow this podcast and blog, then you know I also like to cross-post articles and other podcasts from the Substack platform with other talented creators. I just recently did this with two former guests on my podcast with Kelly Russell and Jerry Kuykendall. I cross-posted one of their episodes recently where they honed in on the important concept of individuation. The title of that episode is Your Path to Individuation. Uh, If you scroll down here on the show notes or if you're directly on the Substack article, you can uh, click that hyperlink here. So going back to the explanation of why my talented basketball player experienced a moment where he felt he could choose to not put in the physical effort to do the work and instead goof around with his friends was because of a related concept known as de-individuation. De-individuation is obviously the opposite of individuation, and it's a phenomenon that is typically associated with people that engage in behavior out of the norm when inside a large group. This phenomenon is typically associated with violent or deviant behavior when looking at how individuals might act during a riot when they are hidden within a large crowd. Granted, my young basketball player here wasn't a deviant in the least, but the larger point is that the group dynamics provided a platform for him, like with many kids among many teams, to sometimes feel hidden within large groups, enabling them to sometimes detract from disciplinary activities. 
This is due to the fact that they feel they will be less likely to be identified within the group. As a result, this causes some people who fall for de-individuation to be more likely to engage in behavior and to do things that they might not normally do if they were out on their own or in a position where people could easily know who they are in a given situation. <clears throat> this concept of de-individuation was first coined by American social psychologist Leon Festinger in the 1950s in order to describe situations in which people cannot be individuated or isolated from others, source Britannica. Obviously, I wasn't going to allow that to happen on my watch with my star basketball player in the group, but I digress. However, in some instances, de-individuation can be rather inconsequential, such as letting loose on the dance floor or within the dynamics of helping people. Remember that the context of any given situation matters, and that there are circumstances that do vary with any given situation. However, the larger point here is to make sure that we are all more capable of being a zenith by being able to bring more clarity to any given circumstance, because when we don't, as society, we often find ourselves in a sort of enigmatic societal dilemma when looking at how certain negative events may play out in society when de-individuation does actually manage to occur in a dangerous setting. A few examples here would involve the continuous summer riots that have popped up with the likes of Antifa and BLM over the past few years. In these circumstances, I understand that much of the riots were artificially manifested as these groups were organized and paid for, but they can fuel some instances of de-individuation when it comes to looters and others who might want to take advantage of an opportunity to not be held accountable for their actions. If you don't believe me, in 19th century France, the work of Gustave Le Bon demonstrated and promulgated a politically motivated criticism of crowd behavior, source Britannica. Le Bon's work referred to group behavior as irrational and fickle, and it got much support at the time given the many riots that were going on uh, in his time in France. He pointed out that undesirable behaviors would occur at the time through three types of mechanisms. First, the feeling of anonymity gives people the sense of being free from being isolated or identified. Second, this would lead to a feeling of being untouchable, and ultimately, this would result in a complete loss of personal responsibility altogether. Now, I want to go back and touch on my example of the artificial and pain riders influencing others in Lebon's example here of the complete loss of personal responsibility. Within the group dynamic, this could also cause a phenomenon which Lebon referred to as a contagion, which pretty much means that it, what it sounds like. In this circumstance, a contagion would dangerously spread through the rest of the crowd as they can start thinking and acting in the same manner. According to Lebon, it's also at this point where the crowds are more suggestible. In my observation, this is precisely what happened to the world within the group dynamics of the pandemic policies and the mass formation that took place with so many people that were acting hostile and violently towards those of us who refused to go along with the theater and the relentlessly suggestive narrative of compliance. However, unlike the environment in 19th century France, it's my observation that this group de-individuation was more perpetuated through the digital platforms of social media more so than the concrete streets of France or New York. 
After all, in the same light as LeBon and Festiger point to in their respective theories, the same sort of de-individuation, coupled with the feeling of being untouchable, was enabled by many people willingly attacking their friends and family during the pandemic through the comfort of their electronic devices on social media. The mass formation that corrupted and is still infecting our society was also further perpetuated with the societal media oligarchs censoring dissident voices that went against the suggestive narrative of compliance that directly fueled the de-individuation throughout our society at large. After all, according to the American Bolsheviks, a.k.a. communists, you never, you never attempt to do your own research and should just follow the science. By the way, for the listeners, uh, the word here that the way I spelled science is I replaced the S with a dollar sign. Remember that de-individuation occurs in the mass formation. If you're not already aware, the concept of mass formation is a harrowing phenomenon that has a shocking historical context that the world-renowned professor of psychology, Matthias Desmet, discusses and is also a mind-blowing topic on an episode that I covered back last Halloween. You can check out that episode here titled, Defeating the Fear Control Mechanism, How Stoicism and Strength Combat Weakness and the Infantilization of Society. By the way, Matthias Desmet himself gave that episode a like on the Substack, so you want to make sure you check it out if you haven't already. And for once again, the listening audience, if you scroll down the audience on this, the article rather on the Substack here, you can click that link. Heading, the wrap up. In my observation, it's clear to me that de-individuation is something that the administrative state media has also managed to foster across much of our society. As the ASM floats a narrative, regardless of how big the lie is, many people with a warped sense of reality will use that narrative as a sort of blanket for them to avoid accountability. After all, if we use the behavior we witnessed with mass formation during the pandemic, you saw many people both on and offline abusing and fighting with family and so-called friends. Many of those that were following along and advocating for the suggestive narrative of compliance were ruthless in their demands. This resulted in many people being, quote, othered, end quote. It resulted in people losing their jobs, losing their family members, and most importantly, it served as a Trojan horse for ushering in the widespread communism and corruption throughout every major United States institution, as we're seeing play out right now in front of our faces nearly every single day. I told you that story about my experience with the Tucker High School basketball team to communicate a larger point. In case you didn't know, in that Tucker High School environment, I was the minority. Not that it mattered to me because as an individual, a coach, and a professional, I always treat everyone the same. That's how I was raised. However, I, had I been fake, disingenuous, or simply scared to discipline any of the players on that day, or any day for that matter, I would have never been able to overcome the de-individuation at that moment with that star player, the circumstance had presented the perfect opportunity for me to seize by isolating that player from his team, making him realize that he was doing that prior to me when he had made the decision to joke around instead of doing the work. However, when I showed him he could see with clarity and he took his team to the next level, I tell you this because if you're listening and paying attention to what's going on in the world with the indictment of the former president as well as his cabinet members, 
Additionally, as you see what's happened in East Palestine, Ohio, and Maui, and how the ASM is covering for the malfeasance and incompetence, and you're seeing the ASM now starting to float more stories with a suggestive narrative of compliance with more COVID policies, masking, etc., you're also going to see the mass formation of more de-individuation within our society kick off once again. Now that you have this knowledge, you shouldn't be confused and view these circumstances as sort of an enigmatic societal dilemma, but rather view what's happening with absolute clarity. Furthermore, as you see the mass formation and de-individuation start up on your social media feeds and within your social circles, you're now going to find yourself in a similar situation as I did with that Tucker High School basketball team and whether or not you should call out and isolate those trying to perpetuate an abusive and suggestive narrative of compliance. If you're worried and find yourself in a similar situation and you're concerned because you're outnumbered, just remember that I was outnumbered 32 to 1. I hope you enjoyed today's article podcast. If so, I hope you would choose to support this platform as part of the Patriot economy as well. Be an emissary of freedom and help to push this piece out to your friends, family, and co-workers. In, in order for both you and me to influence and strengthen our society, we must not stay idle. So please make sure you hit the subscribe and share buttons here below. Spreading messages like this one is how we influence our culture, and I need your help in order to do it. Also, listen to this episode here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Pocket Cast. If you like this podcast and the message, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating on the Spotify platform. Also, to connect with me, please make sure you join me here on Twitter, Facebook, Getter, and now Substack's new social media called Notes. Stay strong, stay focused, stay active, and have a wonderful day.